This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Seriously, I can't stress this enough. The way that I think I'm going to write a special letter to our president. Okay. To shut us the hell down because I had to fill up my gas tank. And I okay. thought I was going to a gas station where the prices out here fluctuate. The lowest price is about $4 and some change, mm-hmm. which that's expensive. I literally remember at one point, I remember my mom went to a gas station where it was 99 cents when we were young. Like, I remember that. That is wild. I remember that. But now, I accidentally filled up at the $5 gas station. I spent like damn near like $100 to fill up my tank. $100? It was like 80-something dollars. It already cost That 60. is crazy. How, how Lock long us do you back ha- up. How long do you have use that for? for? That's like, I mean, honestly, I'm not going anywhere. My car's going to be in the parking garage. <laughs> I honestly might leave her here. I don't want, I'm not going anywhere. Nowhere else. Lock us back up. I need all the variants and the variants' cousins. To lock us back down. That's how I feel about my food consumption habits right now. I just keep buying more and more food. I mean, I bought a bag <laughs> of nuts for $8. Like, I I just, like, I don't have time to make food. I'm not home enough. It's all getting very expensive. It's too much. It's too much. And I just don't have enough money for this. Like, honestly, I feel like, is it cheaper to just get bus tickets? Do, is it is it bus tickets? Uh, uh, bus pass? Yes, yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it because the metro is calling my name oh. each and every day. You know we are close to a metro. However, you might not get to places on time. I, you know what? I'm just gonna be late because people understand. I'm not paying five dollars a gallon again. I mean, I would appreciate that. It's we not should happening. we should do a series. Ryan on the metro. Mitchell on the metro. I mean, I've rode the metro before. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've rode the train, not the the bus. But either way, it provides transportation. I and it keeps my bank account happy. That's what I'm talking about. And now you have your uh, wealth management person. So. Yes, uh, you know. <laughs> so you got to start I'm saving gonna, that money. He's gonna be like, "Are you now? You're going the the transportation of it all? The metro? Are you sure you're needing of my help of wealth management? You know, that's how yes. you get wealthy. Yes, it's exactly. the sacrifices. It's the rich people excuse. Once, once rich people start just riding the buses and trains because they're tired of spending money, then that's when <laughs> no, we hit things a new have gone low. low. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, lots happening in the world today. Coming up, as doctors protest the unvaccinated, are they crossing the moral line? Our favorite infectious diseases expert, Dr. Michael Sag, is joining us for that at 3.25 p.m. Pacific, 6.25 p.m. Eastern. Plus, we know about FOMO, but what about FOGO or FOMO? 
all the new buzz terms later in the show. Ooh. I can't even keep up. All right, Fogo. Right. Sounds like a slur. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Well, the Taliban have warned that if the U.S. pushes their August 31st, for 31st withdrawal deadline, they will have crossed a red line and threatened consequences. Many, including Afghanistan veteran Representative Jason Crow, are pressuring Biden to push it. This is not without risk. I think we should be extremely clear about this. This is a, a very complicated, very high-risk mission. But uh, I think we also have to be clear that uh, if we aren't willing to use the U.S. military to protect U.S. citizens uh, and, our, and our partners and our friends, then what will we use our military for? This falls squarely within the wheelhouse of why we have the biggest, strongest military in the world, and that is to protect our people. This is getting very complicated, to say the least, and uh, President Biden is currently speaking. We'll be bringing you some of the highlights of his speech uh, next hour. But also, two Afghan Paralympians were forced to withdraw from the Games after the Taliban took control of the country. A volunteer carried uh, in the Afghan flag as there are no athletes competing for Afghanistan. It's so sad. But one member of the refugee Paralympic team is from Afghanistan and carried the flag for the refugee team. And uh, finally, Havana syndrome is trending after Vice President Kamala Harris's flight from Singapore to Vietnam had to be pushed back several hours over possible Havana syndrome cases among U.S. personnel in Hanoi. The U.S. Embassy there issued a statement blaming a recent possible anomalous health incident there for the three-hour delay. So I didn't even know what this was. I thought this was just like listening to Camila Cabello for too long. She has a song, Havana. (laughs) That would make sense. It's actually a mysterious condition that includes dizziness, nausea, migraines, and memory lapses, and is sometimes preceded by a piercing sound. So that's exactly the Camila Cabello song. Sounds like hell. That's actually listening to Havana by Camila. Over and over and the over The piercing again. sound and the dizziness all come with it. Oh, well, that was some What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so let's talk about former governor Andrew Cuomo because he just got a major award snatched from him. Oh. And it's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Here we go. This is a moment. So Andrew won't be catching a break anytime soon. Um, the International Academy of Television Arts and Sciences has taken back the honorary Emmy it had awarded him last year. So in a statement, the organization announced on Tuesday today that in light of the New York Attorney General's report and Andrew Cuomo's um, resignation as governor, it is rescinding his special 2020 International Emmy Award. His name and any reference to uh, his receiving the award award will be eliminated from international um, award materials, our international academy materials going forward. Um, now, he had been given this award for effective communication and leadership during the COVID-19 pandemic. The award was given to uh, acknowledge uh, Cuomo's use of television to provide information and a sense of calm to viewers during the early outbreak of the pandemic. Yikes. I mean, he could probably continue to expect that. And honestly, it was most definitely the attorney general's thing but it was also probably because he left that dog there the dog was the icing on the cake you know dog you're not nice to a dog that's gonna piss people off women and dogs 
you oh, know, God, to be that, honest, that sounded weird. To be honest, yes. people probably care more about dogs than any in women. To be quite honest, let's be real. Honest. Animals more than humans. Yeah, yep. that's that's very clear. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew Cuomo, not really. Hope you um, you know, take that award off your men. I wonder, does he have to like send it back to them? Yeah, mm. I, I think that's how it works. Well, before we get out of here, because that, that was your tea report, I got more coming up next hour. But right now, I got to tell you, Channel Q's running a giveaway. Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Las Vegas Residency is returning to the Park MGM this October 14th through the 31st. And guess what? Channel Q wants to send you and a friend to possibly... Win two tickets to the show Ooh. and a stay at the Park MGM Hotel and a round trip airfare and $500 in your pocket. I mean, could it get any better? Head over to WeAreChannelQ.com for your chance to win. Do not miss Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Residency live in Las Vegas. Tickets do go on sale on Saturday at 10 a.m. So if you miss this, make sure you pay attention to Saturday. It's at Ticketmaster.com. And just head over to WeAreChannelQ.com for your chance to win. Okay, well, what FDA's approval of the COVID-19 vaccine could mean for the future of vaccine mandates? That is next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It finally happened. The FDA granted full approval to the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine for people ages 16 and older. And it's the first vaccine, as we know, to be approved by the FDA. Joining us to dive in, because there are a lot of questions surrounding this, is Dr. Amish Dalja, who's an infectious diseases expert. Thanks for being here. A lot of updates since you were last on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So will this open the doors to more vaccine mandates? How will this create a change? Or do you think the folks who said, well, I'm waiting for the FDA approval are going to still have other excuses? It's already opening the door for more organizations and more employers to require the vaccine as a condition of employment or participation in activities. And we anticipated that because many people were reticent without full approval to put those mandates in place. And, for example, the New York City Department of Education, CBS, other companies are now uh, really moving forward with get, uh, requiring vaccination, including the, the U.S. military. I do think that there there is a, some subset of people who have not been vaccinated that were waiting for full FDA approval. Hopefully they're all already in line and got in line yesterday and got vaccinated. I think it likely will be something that will only help with getting vaccination rates up, but it's not something... It's not something we can count on. I think we're still going to have vaccine hesitancy problems, but at least it takes away that one talking point from the anti-vaccine movement that this was somehow an experimental vaccine. Yeah. Could you break down what does full FDA approval mean and how is it different from emergency use authorization? So emergency use authorization is a special pathway for products to be brought to the public during a public health emergency. And it's something that you do when you're trying to not waste any time when you're in a dire in, in a dire situation and and that's what was going on during the pandemic early on and if we wouldn't have had those vaccines on emergency use approval we would have been in a situation where where we would have had more people dying imagine how many people would would have would have died if we wouldn't if we were waiting till now for the vaccines to be available full approval requires more time basically six months of data and now what will happen is that this vaccine will be more like other routine vaccines that you get you'll, you'll actually get a brand name for the vaccine pfizer will be able to market it you may see it in doctor's offices as well so it will become much more routine now that it's got full approval and that just reflects how much data has amassed to be able to get full approval from the fda now 
with Israel having been so strict with everything and COVID is spiking there now, is that a warning of what's to come here in the States? The United States is in kind of a weird situation because we've got some places where there's been really good vaccine uptake, especially among those at high risk for hospitalization. And then there are some states in the South where that's not been the case. So so the issue is, is that we kind of have a two track pandemic in the United States, one in which, yes, we're going to have cases everywhere. But in certain places, hospitals will do okay because all the high risk people have been vaccinated or at least a good proportion of them have been and other places where that's not the case. And right now, the last time I checked, it's about eight states that are comprising 50 percent of all hospitalizations because not enough high risk people have been vaccinated. But we're always going to have a baseline of cases. It's just about taming the virus making it more like other respiratory viruses by getting enough high-risk people vaccinated. So what does this approval mean for kids? It really it changes. It doesn't really change much for kids, because, except for kids that are above the age of 16, because the approval is for 16 and, uh, 16 and up. Right now, we're still waiting for more data uh, for the, the children under the age of 11, and the vaccine does still remain available for children above the age of 12 on emergency use authorization. Okay, so with uh, variant and happening, and obviously now this FDA approval, is there a worry from experts like yourself of a new variant coming and now none of these vaccines working? We're always going to get more variants. The virus is going to mutate. But it's very difficult for the virus to create mutations or to evolve mutations that nullify everything that a vaccine does for us. And remember, the, the goal of vaccines is not to prevent every infection. It's to prevent severe disease, hospitalization, and death. And I think that's really hard for a virus to evolve the ability to completely uh, erase everything that a vaccine does, not just the antibodies, but the T cells. So so I think that this is a biological possibility, but it's not something I would see being very likely to happen. And the virus, from its perspective, only wants to cop- have its genes copied. It doesn't matter if it makes people really sick. So I think it wouldn't, ne- it wouldn't necessarily evolve to cause serious disease in people that are vaccinated. I don't think it would really serve the evolutionary purpose of the virus, but but, but so I think the vaccines are holding up really well. And, and our vaccine technologies are such that we could update them very easily if necessary. But I don't think we're anywhere near that threshold yet. Well, that's a good thing. That was Dr. Imesh Dalja, an infectious diseases expert. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. Now, big business pledged nearly $50 billion for racial justice. But where did the money actually go? Washington Post joins us for that after this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. More than a year after many of America's businesses committed to combating racial justice and investing in the cause, a Washington Post analysis reveals the impact of that investment. Jenna McGregor joins us right now, leadership issues reporter at the Washington Post. As we look into this, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So tell us more about how you decided to analyze this data. Yeah, I think everybody recalls these companies coming out with big, you know, million, billion dollar pledges um, last year. And we wanted to just have a sense of where it all went. Um, Try to hold companies accountable for um, for knowing where exactly they plan to spend the money, what kind of impact it was having, what kind of organizations benefited, and were they making the donations? Yeah, and I guess what were some of your findings? Because uh, it, while reading your piece on at the Washington Post, it was really interesting, especially about some of the stuff that the businesses could even profit off of. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Well, see, the interesting thing about this is the the number that these companies used for pledges was was huge. I mean, you know, they often included very big numbers, and they a lot of the donations or a lot of the money that was part of these pledges were invested in venture capital funds that benefit black businesses. They were. Um, commitments made to make more home loans to black borrowers. They were um, deposits made into black banks that that do have a return. Now, that's not all bad. I mean, there's a lot of people that say incorporating this into your regular line of business is a way to ensure that you are incorporating better racial justice practices into your business. You know, I mean, it's good to commit to more loans to black borrowers. Um, It's good to support black owned banks. Um, But it was not just checks written to philanthropies either. And some of the companies will benefit in some of what they were doing. Definitely. And I mean, 725 million that according to how you categorized it, was not enough detail. So what do you take from that? That's a lot of money to not know where it went even. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. Um, we have some companies that, that, you know, just absolutely cooperated with every single question we had and provided all kinds of detail. And some where when we went to them and said, where did this go? You know, where did you put the money? How much has actually been spent? We got very little information back in return. And so in some cases, because of the way we kind of categorized and tracked the data, we might know that they pledged a certain amount, but they didn't tell us where it went yet. Now, some of these donations and some of these commitments are being made over a five or 10 year period even. So, you know, it makes sense that some of it hasn't yet been decided on. But we even saw among some of the pledges and, um, you know, commitments that they've made so far that 
that, that you know telling us whether or not the money was um, was was actually allocated even in the first year or two in some cases was it just wasn't clear so we, we had to we had to work with what we got right and I, I think what's coming up for me is you know these corporations were willing to obviously kind of throw money at uh, the movements and to organizations that are really helping when it comes to you know equality and home ownership and et cetera et cetera et cetera but I wonder do we think that's going to actually change the cultural culture surrounding these things? Like, especially when I think about home ownership and giving, you know, black families or, you know, POC families loans, but there still can have some biases and in, in discriminations that are attached to those. And, and I just wonder, is money just the end all be all here? Is that the only way these corporations are really saying, well, this is us changing as a whole? Right, right. And I, I think I think that's a great point. And I think that was our big picture conclusion here is that even with some of the biggest, most powerful companies um, in the country pledging millions and billions of dollars to this issue, a lot of these issues of systemic racism and structural problems can't just be solved by money. They need to be solved by policy changes. They need to be solved by kind of restructuring and rethinking some of our institutions and that that it's going to be really challenging for even just throwing money at the problem to fix things. Um, I would say you asked about our findings earlier, and I think the other big thing that we took from this is how much money these companies plowed into issues surrounding um, economic equality, helping black businesses, helping HBCUs. Um, education was another big recipient of funding. And that's, again, great. But the cause that really kind of precipitated this entire um, this entire issue, the thing that it really catalyzed them making these donations was the murder of George Floyd and the police brutality that that surrounded that. And we saw a very small fraction of the money go to issues around criminal justice reform and police reform. And I, th- I think that was another really kind of telling result that we found. And, you know, just, just some hesitancy on the part of corporations to get involved in that issue. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Well, uh, thank you for being here. That was Jen McGregor, leadership issues reporter at The Washington Post. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for having me. Next up, the California recall election is coming up. The wacky candidates running for governor. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A recall race to unseat Democrat Gavin Newsom is happening September 14th in California. Lots of candidates, let me tell you. I mean, a record number of people vying to replace him as governor. And I guess that's what's great, but also bad about California, because they actually, the state allows a recall election. Right. So in mid-August, if you're wondering, ballots were sent to all registered voters in the state. If you're curious about where your ballot is, if you haven't gotten it, there's actually a website, whereismyballot.sos.ca.gov. But that's not just why we're here today. Uh, Because there's a lot of interesting folks out there. I mean... (laughs) We might as well have run. Well, I couldn't legally, but you could have run. I don't want those issues. And there's not enough money in politics. Uh, nine Democrats are in the race. Dozens of Republicans, a Libertarian, two Green Party candidates, a few candidates who are no party preference. So um, the model, Angeline, is one of the candidates. She's supposedly, according to her profile, is an experienced politician and billboard model. 
I'm sure she would be better than Newsom. Then there's another guy, uh, Adam Papagan, who just says, love you. This is like as part of the ballot, you know. Uh, they, they put their descriptions underneath, just in case. This at this point is just promotional for some of these people. No, it really is. I think what's hilarious is I have gone to their websites, you know, uh-huh. AngelineForGovernor.com. And um, she, you know, she's something else. She's absolutely stunning. And she says she has the key to California while she lays on top <laughs> of a key in a bathing suit. I'm okay. kind of standing. Um, her slogan is, we must party. The future of politics is now. The Angeline Party establishes a new format of existence. The imagination of the citizen is what is at the forefront. Rise to the occasion of the Angeline Party. You know, honestly, if I ever, you know, I feel like we're kind of winning at this point. I feel like I need to start, like, maybe I need to send Governor Gavin Newsom being like, you need my vote because I will vote for Angeline. Oh, no, please don't say that. So can you please fix the potholes and the roads here? Yeah, we can use a lot of imagination with dealing with the homeless crisis here in California. Which, speaking of, there's another um, one of the candidates that you uh, mentioned, which is hilarious. Uh, Adam pa- uh, Papagon. Yeah. He, uh, his, he He's a TikTok star, basically. He's, he's really... He has that many followers? I saw the TikTok on his description. Well, he's used... I don't know if he's a TikTok star, to be quite honest. I was kind of being... Uh, just, well, yeah. Just being facetious with it. But mm-hmm. um, he is wanting to really end homelessness and what he did okay. was found a construction hat and a shovel and took a picture in front of her house. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's, that's how creative. he's ending homelessness means building more homes and we have the resources to do it. That's how he do plans we? on doing it. Uh, Dan Kapilovitz says, all he says, you know, if this is enough to have you vote for him, can you dig it? That's well, his uh, campaign motto. If he had Adam's shovel. I know. They got to work together. Anyway, we hope that you are voting. A reminder, where's my ballot.sos.ca.gov. Get your ballot, throw it in the mail, and be part of a democracy. Uh, next up, a new program that will bring HIV tests to your home. Details next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show today, can we expect more protests from doctors across the country? That's in 30 minutes with one of our favorite infectious diseases experts, Dr. Michael Sag, who's going to join in on that conversation. Uh, And actor Sean Penn's message for the unvaccinated. He's stepping into this conversation right now. That's in the T-Report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. President Biden spoke to the nation and gave updates on the crisis in Afghanistan and the strategy around evacuations. Just in the past 12 hours, another 19 U.S. military flights, 18 C-17s and one C-130 carrying approximately 6,400 evacuees and 31 coalition flights carrying 5,600 people have left Kabul just in the last 12 hours. A total of 50 more flights, 12,000 more people since I updated you this morning. These numbers are a testament to the efforts of our brave service women and men, to our diplomats on the ground in Kabul, and to our allies still standing with us. 
And with that, the U.S. military pulled off its biggest day of evacuation flights from Afghanistan since the operation began. Uh, but deadly violence that has blocked many desperate evacuees from entering Kabul's airport is continuing. And the Taliban demanded that the evacuation end as scheduled on August 31st. Pentagon chief spokesman John Kirby is also saying that the faster pace of evacuation was partly due to coordination with Taliban commanders on getting evacuees into the airport. Now, the Human Rights Campaign Foundation has partnered with the health organization Us Helping Us to launch the U.S.'s first national in-home HIV testing program focused on reaching populations that are disproportionately affected by HIV, including black and Latinx, gay and bisexual men, and trans women of color. The organization has produced research showing that one out of two black, gay, and bisexual cis men and one in four Latinx, gay, and bisexual cis men will be diagnosed with HIV. More than 40% of trans women in a CDC study were living with HIV. They also announced uh, HRC that it will be providing direct-to-door service, pledging to administer at least 5,000 free in-home HIV testing kits in a year. Pretty incredible stuff. That was What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News, Ryan. All right, so let's talk because actor Sean Penn has something to say to unvaccinated people. So listen up. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Now, about a month ago, uh, Sean Penn became one of the first big-name Hollywood people to demand that everyone on a set with him, whether they work with actors or not, be vaccinated. Well, he also went on to say that he would love to request only vaccinated audiences for his new directorial feature and that the unvaccinated Vaccinated could see it someday when it's eventually on some streaming platform. But, of course, he knows he'll probably offend um, them out of that choice. <laughs> anyway. Wow. Um, now, and obviously, you can't control that either. Like, that's just, you just can't control that. Um, he says the COVID-19 vaccine uh, should be mandatory for everybody. He quoted, he's quoted saying this, like, turning your headlight uh, headlights on in the car at night. Um, but he knows some people in the U.S. will choose to ignore the fact that the vaccines are safe, even once they start to get full approval from the FDA. Um, do you think this is a bit much for him to say he only wants vaccinated people to see his films? Desperate times call for desperate measures i mean to be honest i don't i don't think it's a bit much i i actually like that he's putting he's he is standing firmly in that's true in in what he believes and honestly if you you know closed mouth don't get fed so if you don't say nothing maybe this is going to turn off the people who aren't vaccinated honestly should unvaccinated people be in the 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 theater anyway and they might the theaters might make their own rules anyway at that point that's true. Um, but that's your T report. Before we get out of here, though, mm-hmm. I got to tell you about a giveaway we're doing. Lady Gaga, um, she has her residency. You know, the Jazz and Piano Las Vegas residency. It's returning to the Park MGM this October 14th through the 31st. And Channel Q is going to send you. So just go to wearechannelq.com for your chance to win two tickets to the show, a stay at the Park MGM Hotel, round trip airfare for two, plus $500 in spending cash. Don't miss Lady Gaga's jazz and piano residency shows live in Las Vegas. Now, if you don't get this giveaway, tickets do go on sale Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific at Ticketmaster.com. And just head over to WeAreTurnalQ.com for your chance to win. You're welcome. Love that. Well, as doctors in Florida are staging walkouts, are they crossing a moral line? We get into that next. After the end of a good fight, deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. 
You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Dozens of doctors in Palm Beach County, Florida, staged a walkout to draw attention to their hospitals being filled with patients who are not vaccinated. Around 75 doctors took part in the protests, calling on residents in the state to ignore the nonsense and the absurdities that you're hearing people say at public meetings. Recognize the value of what a vaccine will do. Meanwhile, Republicans and pundits like Ben Shapiro used the moment to troll all of us, saying, if this is the new standard, that failure to take measures to alleviate your own health problems are punishable by doctors refusing treatment. The extension of this logic to obesity will certainly be something. Okay, well, back with us is Dr. Michael Sag, professor of medicine and director at the UAB Center for AIDS Research. Thanks for being here. Great being back with you guys. Well, where do we even start with this? Have you seen doctors protest like this before? Um, I don't recall anything like this exactly. Um, And I think what it is basically is a reflection of the immense amount of frustration combined with exhaustion of taking care of so many people. Uh, It may also be just a way of energizing some activism to kind of make the point that you can't just choose your way out of a vaccine. And I think it's just enormously frustrating for them. Um, There was a time where healthcare workers, I think because of other regulations walked out for a little bit in different settings, but I haven't seen this about a disease state before. Yeah, and it's actually really interesting. Um, There's a doctor actually in Mobile, um, Alabama, Jason Valentine. He actually posted a photo on Facebook this week of him pointing to a sign taped to a door informing patients of his new policy of him no longer seeing patients that are not vaccinated against COVID-19. And I just can't help but think that Alabama is like one of the lowest, unfortunately, um, when it comes to the the. I mean, I think it's less than 36% of the population is fully vaccinated there. And so I just wonder, is this something that you have thought about personally? Like, obviously, there's an ethical thing there, but I just, I mean, you're human first. I would love to know your perspective. Well, uh, yeah, I I saw that picture from the doc. And it's a little bit different when you create a policy for your own practice and, you know, then people can choose to go somewhere else. But if it's a hospital setting and people are coming into that hospital... At some point, professionalism kicks in, and and to get to your point about me or my coworkers, yeah, we're we're all crazy frustrated right now because ninety uh, percent of the people that are in the hospital with COVID are unvaccinated, and as you guys know, I've been on your program several times, screaming from the rafters, get vaccinated. This is our Christmas miracle that we have a chance to operationalize, and it's just mind blowing that people would turn down that opportunity. It just 
it, I can't understand it. And just not getting vaccinated is one thing, but not getting vaccinated and then overwhelming and, and almost fracturing the healthcare system in the process is really what has all the doctors frustrated. Yeah, uh, for yeah. me, I haven't considered walking off, but yeah. Well, at what point then do healthcare professionals partner with policymakers, kind of similar to other things like cigarettes or um, you could say wearing a seatbelt? Like at what point do those become, you know, it becomes a law or it's like you connect the dots between doing something and it leading to uh, death and then leading to a kind of a breakdown of the system? Yeah. I think a lot of us are doing that already, Shara. That, for example, um, uh, my statement on a radio show locally this morning was, you know, I understand people's uh, liberty and their desire to make free choice. But when it gets to the point where your choice not to get vaccinated is affecting my choice about whether I go to an event, that's where the freedoms start to conflict. And, and at some point, um, if somebody's choosing, for example, to smoke in a restaurant, we have laws now that say you can't do that because uh, secondhand smoke can cause disease. Well, heck, uh, having COVID is, is a lot worse than secondhand smoke, especially in the acute phase. So I don't think there's any question that we're going to, with the approval of the FDA of the, of the Pfizer vaccine on Monday, I think we're headed towards mandating vaccines as a rule. It's going to probably be an evolution over six months, but that's where we're headed. Yeah, and I just, I guess for me, especially seeing the news stories about how ICUs are overflowing with COVID patients, I just seriously start to think about, like, how how do you make those decisions when it comes to med- medical care being rationed? Like, do, do you think we'll get to the point where vaccination status starts to count? I'm not sure in a healthcare setting. I mean, you know, I've, I've kind of thought, well, maybe we should have a separate tent outside the hospital yeah. where you put people in, you know, that we wouldn't, I don't think we'd go there. But what? But your point about there's only so many uh, beds at the end, and it's really not even physical space a lot of times, or like people were talking about before, availability of ventilators. It's really staff, personnel. And if we really cut to the, cut to the chase on ICUs, Nursing care is 98 to 99% of what keeps people alive in an ICU. They do the grunt work. They do the heavy lifting. And the doctors, especially for a COVID patient, you get to a point where you're just sort of doing support and hoping they turn the corner. And that's it. I mean, there's not a whole lot else of, of interventions that can be done once patients get to a certain point. So the, 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 the other secondary thing, just real quickly, is it's not just the ICUs, it's the emergency departments. And so they get so backed up, they're so backlogged that ambulances come in, sometimes with COVID patients, but sometimes with trauma, sometimes with heart attacks, strokes, mm-hmm. and they can't get into the room. They can't get into the, into the emergency department uh, because there's just no space for them. So they roll the stretcher in and the patient's going through whatever they're going through, but the docs can't, it's hard for them to be everywhere at once. And that's another secondary uh, fallout from the COVID uh, epidemic swamping the hospitals and the ERs. Well, thank you again for joining us and for your continued hard work over there. That was Dr. Michael Sagan, infectious diseases expert in Alabama. Uh, Best of luck and have a great rest of your day. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Do you ever notice when you're dating someone, you start dressing like them? Or maybe you've noticed that other couples, this starts to happen. And you're like, yeah, what is going on? The weird thing is when people start looking or they look like siblings or like family. Oh, yeah, that is weird. It's weird. Well, you kind of do it uh, biologically or survival of the fittest. I don't know. You tend to date people like you or who look like you, like out of survival. If we go to like way back. Like the way we procreate and we were, I guess, in caveman people days. Uh, but this is a really interest, interesting thing that we see being highlighted specifically when we look at celebrities. I mean, we all know us regular folks do this. But then also when you see it on blast with celebrities like Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde, you're like, yeah, this happens. It doesn't happen over here. I don't Not like, for you. I don't like matching outfits like that. I think it's like gross. I also don't like matching outfits for like little baby twins. That's normal that's, when I see it. Yeah, that's that's um, strange. Yeah, it does get strange. And so for me, yeah, when we're talking about this whole Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde thing, if you see the picture, maybe we'll post it on LGT Show Insta Story. Um, it's they're not even matching. It's just a t-shirt and a jean, <laughs> right? And I'm like, that's what everyone wears, pretty much. And so I really don't understand. Um, I think this is a clickbaity thing, mm. but I do, I do find it annoying. So annoying when couples dress alike. I don't get it. I'm like, what are you what are you all saying right now? Like, are y'all like, I don't know. Are y'all not two different people? Are y'all just so attached to each other? Is it now entering into a toxic territory? Well, there's two Tell sides me. to it. According to experts, it's that you start mirroring each other. Like, the more you're with someone, in a way, you kind of start just acting like them. Really? Like, you take on traits of the other person. I yeah. think that's a sign that you should break up. But then... No, seriously. Well, you might that like you, it. I don't that know. That means you lost yourself. But then, no, but then if it's to the point where, yeah, you start doing it with every type of relationship or to the point where you've lost a sense of self, yeah, that's when you should start to question it. Isn't you doing that doing that? There's a fine line. So here's the thing. And it happens so subconsciously. Like before you even know it, it's happening. Yeah. Like when I look back in hindsight at my ex-boyfriend and I, uh, I, I look back and at that time I did have blonde hair. He had blonde hair. We would definitely wear like dark colored clothes, like the, you know, blacks together and like ripped jeans. I feel like I look back so at pictures. were wearing clothes? <laughs> Basically not I'm naked. happy everyone was clothed. <laughs> but like I look back at pictures and I feel like we are maybe not dressed exactly the same, but we're matching. Right? So like You're we're like aligned. Jewish brother and sister? Not as much more. Um, <laughs> was the other way. I, I don't know if I looked as Jewish with my like platinum blonde hair. No, nah, just say, just like it, because y'all are yeah, Jewish. But like brother and sister. I feel like, and then my current partner, I notice because he's more outdoorsy and all that when I'm with him, when I'm not working necessarily, I find myself wearing more like maybe outdoorsy outfits. Yeah, because like we were doing outdoorsy things together. <laughs> so of course you're changing what you're wearing. I don't. I just. I guess I'm not understanding. I can't compute what Sheer Lazar is saying right now. Do you get what I'm saying? I, I Whoever's listening. I don't know. At LGT shows where you can find us on social media. Yeah, let us it's know. true. We did it, but have you done it before? Are you that self aware? No, I don't know why you said we. I do not We've, do that. I've, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I think it's psychotic. I want to see Ryan Mitchell in a relationship at a certain point, and this all is going to change. You, I mean, I, I, will, be in a, I will be in a relationship at one point, but I don't know if you'll see it. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Hope you're enjoying the great music here on Channel Q, but we've got lots coming up still for you. FOMO is over. More on our new social fears, FOGO and FOMO. That's in 30 minutes. Never ends. And the 9-11 conspiracy theory this famous director believes in. That's in the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. As countries around the world take in Afghan refugees, Airbnb CEO Brian Chesky shared what the company is doing to help. You know, over the weekend, we had provided housing for a couple hundred Afghan refugees. And um, we started getting a huge amount of interest in others. And we started uh, getting in contact with the Biden administration. We were in touch with the resettlement agencies like the Church World Service the International Rescue Committee, and people were asking us for help. Hosts were reaching out to us, wanting to provide housing. And so we're kind of a matchmaker in that sense. And Good on Airbnb for stepping it up during this very difficult time. Now, Hawaii Governor David E.J. pleaded with tourists from around the world to not visit Hawaii through at least the end of October as the state grapples with an influx of coronavirus cases from residents and vacationers who brought the virus with them. Although the governor's announcement does not prohibit travelers from visiting Hawaii, he said at a news conference that he is working with airlines, hotels, and other tourism-related businesses to do what they could to curb tourism to the state, except for people traveling for essential business. Restaurant capacity has been restricted, and access to rental cars is limited. And finally, Forbes reports that Caitlyn Jenner, who is seeking to become the first out trans person to ever become governor in the United States as she runs to unseat Governor Gavin Newsom here in California, uh, she doubled her campaign's available funds last week. How, you might ask? By writing her own check to herself. Jenner contributed $25,000 in an August 20th self-donation, which is the first donation by her. At the end of July, Jenner's campaign only had $21,000 and had already amassed $156,000 in debt. It's expensive to run for governor, you know? Up until last month, Jenner had as many as three billionaires banking her campaign. But I guess uh, that is not happening anymore. And that was some What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so Spike Lee just let the world know that he believes in 9-11 conspiracy theories. Okay. Which, whatever, I guess. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So he is dropping some bombshell statements about 9-11 conspiracy theories while on the promotion trail for his new HBO documentary series, New York Epicenters, 9-11 to 2021 and a half. That's what it's called. Long title, right? Yeah, long title. Where was the focus group on that one? Well, um, he has admitted um, in new interviews with the New York Times, he admitted that he doesn't buy into official explanations of the terrorist attacks that devastated the world on September 11, 2001. And um, <laughs> it's really interesting <laughs> because this, uh-huh. whole, this whole thing came up when the reporter called him out for featuring several members of the conspiracy group Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth um, in his series. And he basically responded with him saying this. He says, you know, he's just fine with that. He says, I mean, I got questions. And I hope that maybe the legacy of this documentary is that Congress holds a hearing, a congressional hearing about 9-11. He also went on to say, 
You know, but people are going to make up their own mind. My approach is put the information in the movie and let people decide for themselves. I respect the intelligence of the audience. Now, this documentary in this docu-series actually has a ton of known people involved. Uh Here is who is involved. This is New York City, the greatest city in the world, but it is still a soft target, target for the virus, target for Al-Qaeda. What what are you going to do? This is Buster Rhymes. John Stewart. New York City paramedic. Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez. Rosie Perez. Flight attendant. Dave Buscemi. I am an inventor on the COVID-19 vaccine. What hospital were you born in? Brooklyn Hospital. (laughs) On the morning of September 11th, the whole world changed. I don't think America was prepared for something like this to happen in our country. Wow. Yeah, so it's going to be a wild docu-series. I don't know how people, once they actually see it, are going to respond to that um, and to all of these conversations that are going to be had in this. But I'm actually really shocked that some of these people are involved. Um, but that's your team report. Spike Lee, please stop talking. All right, now let's move on. <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> let's move on to our giveaway that we're giving. Because Lady Gaga, yeah, right on me is playing in your ears. She is returning to Las Vegas for her jazz and piano Las Vegas residency that returns to the Park MGM this October 14th through the 31st. And Channel Q is going to send you. Just go to wearechannelq.com for your chance to win two tickets to the show, a stay at the Park MGM Hotel, and round trip airfare for two. And great, you thought I was finished? Nope. Um, we're also giving you $500 in spending cash. Are okay. you kidding me? Don't miss Lady Gaga's jazz and piano residency shows live in Las Vegas. Tickets go on sale Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific at Ticketmaster.com, of course. And just head over to WeAreChannelQ.com for your chance to win. Well, next up, one of the first trans women of color to teach at Harvard Law joins us after this to discuss the importance of representation in law and so much more. Stick around. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Our next guest is making history, being one of two trans women of color to ever teach at Harvard Law. Anya Marino joins us right now on the show. Thanks for being here. It's my pleasure. How are you? You know, uh, we are great, and we are so inspired by the article uh, featuring you and them. We wanted to have you on to tell your story, but um, in taking this job, did you feel any pressure in knowing how significant this would be? Absolutely. Um, You know, taking the job means that I have a significant amount of responsibility, not only to my students, when it comes to instructing them and providing them oversight in the clinical work that they're doing on behalf of other members of the LGBTQ community, but it also means whether I like it, I'm a representative on the, of, of, of the transgender community. And um, it's important to me that I represent the community in a way that reflects the community's um, skills, talents, and, and, um, and likeness to to other people who may have never encountered other members of the community previously in their lives. And I recognize that there may be students, colleagues, um, or opposing counsel, and indeed even jurists in some of my cases that have never encountered a trans person, uh, you know, face to face, and perhaps the only experience they've had with 
any person who identifies as a member of the trans community could be through media. Um, and oftentimes the stories that are portrayed through media, particularly through through movies, are are not particularly favorable um, favorable storylines for members of the trans community. Yeah, and I, I, I wonder because obviously in this system that we navigate in, Harvard is, is a, a, a name. And I wonder how do you kind of exist in that duality of one, taking up space in the way that you do, but then also kind of like not, you know, succeeding to, oh, well, Harvard is this big known name that often doesn't allow people who look like us into this, into those spaces, right? Or who are us in that, into these spaces. So I always wonder when you're in that space and you navigate that world, how do you still kind of stay true to yourself in those moments? So one one moment one one point that I want to clarify is I, I don't know if I would characterize Harvard as being an institution that excluded trans people previously. I think unfortunately the system overall, not necessarily specific to Harvard, but the system when it comes to access to higher education and employment is one that makes it very challenging for members of the transgender community, particularly trans women of color, to um, to advance. Um, in their careers. And that's, again, that's not specific to Harvard. That's, and indeed, I would say that Harvard has actually presented opportunities for, for indeed, you know, for members of the transgender community now um, to, to teach within their law school, which is, is certainly more than I can say for, for some other institutions of higher learning. Oh, yeah. Now, when it comes to, you know, Harvard being a, an, an institution of, of great status and opportunity, I would say that because it is a university setting, um, it certainly encourages and engenders most of its faculty um, and its students to engage in critical thinking and thought and to explore different ideas and outcomes um, in ways that would hopefully advance individual rights and liberties. And with that said, how do you think you being a professor is going to change representation in law in the future and how your students approach the law? Well, I think as a clinical instructor, one of the things that I really want to emphasize is the real lived experiences of LGBTQ people across this country. Um, oftentimes, when students encounter cases, much like many of the people who who encounter stories regarding LGBTQ people, it's not necessarily in 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 um, in, in a firsthand encounter. It's typically through written word. And so one of the things that I hope that the clinic affords the students is an opportunity to to really work closely with members of the community, recognize the the trauma that many members of the community encounter on a daily basis, and identify solutions that hopefully advance not only the client's rights, which of course is 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 important in, in providing any legal representation, but also generating lasting impact that's favorable to other members of the community. Definitely. And you're speaking up about so many issues, including what's happening uh, with OnlyFans. What is your take on that from a legal perspective? Sure. So I, I, I'm assuming you're referencing the, the recent post that I had on Twitter regarding OnlyFans. Yes. And I think I, I think I kind of want to place what I said in in context, which which really goes in part to the significant degree of disparity that members of the LGBT community encounter, particularly in the workplace. You know, notwithstanding 
the Supreme Court's phenomenal decision on June 15th of 2020 in Bostock versus Clayton County, uh, Clayton County, Georgia, and a recognition that Title VII pro- uh, prohibits uh, discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. There are certainly innumerable numbers of the community who still encounter prejudice and discrimination in the workplace who unfortunately don't have the luxury of retaining an attorney to represent them. And therefore, in those instances, unfortunately, they have to find other ways to sustain, particularly because, you know, if, if, if you can't if you can't have your, your previous place of employment restore your job um, through either a complaint that's filed with the EEOC or through a judgment that's favorable to you in the court, um, and you encounter innumerable instances of discrimination when you when you continue to apply for other um, positions, um, you have to find a way to survive. And oftentimes that means, unfortunately, turning to sex work and eliminating a safe place where members of the community can um, thrive and make um, a living so that they can sustain um, is really unfortunate, particularly because OnlyFans did provide an outlet for many members of the community to safely engage in sex work such that they're not such that they're no longer um, um, risking the possibility of being subject to violence mm-hmm. by um, people who would otherwise harm them uh, if they were engaging in, in some type of face-to-face transaction. Uh, well, we appreciate everything that you're doing and for joining us today on the show. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. That was Anya Marino, one of the first trans women of color to teach at Harvard Law. Check her out. Follow everything that she's up to. Wait, can I ask oh. you a quick question? Yeah, go for it. Did sure. you, have you watched The Chair on Netflix with Sandra Oh <laughs> about higher education, the first woman of color, Asian woman of color, basically being the English department of her chair at Pembroke? It's a really great show if you haven't seen it. I would love to know your perspective because the, te- the the higher education world is talking about it, the, where they went right and where they went obviously wrong as well. So I just thought I'd ask. <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually a really relevant question. Um, as I was winding down last evening, I did see that it was a, a new series that was being offered on Netflix. And I did attempt to watch it because I was very excited to see it, particularly given the certain parallels that could be, you know, arguably made between the first trans, excuse me, the first woman of color to serve as chair of an English department and certainly uh, me being among the first two trans women of color to to teach at Harvard Law. And I began watching it only to have my Netflix account just kind of have an interruption. So I haven't finished the first episode, (laughs) but I am indeed really looking forward to watching it. Well, I cannot wait to follow you on social so we can chat about it because, honey, I got thoughts. (laughs) And speaking of social... Well, maybe we can find another time to talk about that. Yeah. All right. Let let me give you a shout out so people could follow you at Anya Marino 5, the number five. Thank you again. You're always welcome back. Thank you. Next up, what FOGO and FONO means and why there are our new social fears. That's after this. Let's go there with With Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You've heard of FOMO, fear of missing out, but what's up with these new terms? FOGO and FONO. Can't even keep up. And I'm an elder millennial. Sarah Gundel joins us right now, a New York City-based psychologist in Manhattan to break this all down. Welcome to the show. 
Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so what do all these new buzz terms mean? Or are they even buzz terms? I don't know. You know, I think it's actually helpful. Um, it, I think they're useful in that they help normalize some of the weird things that have come out from COVID. So, you know, I think it, I, th- I actually think that they're very helpful. Okay, so let's get into FOGO. What does that mean? Sure. Let's so FOGO is the fear of going out. Um, it's the perception that something scary is out there, even after being told that danger is no longer present. Mm. So we've all sort of had a heightened level of fear because of all the danger present because of COVID. And I think, you know, it's hard. It's sort of like developing a phobia. Everyone's developed a phobia and then can't just snap your fingers and expect that we're all going to step out of the phobia. So FOGO is sort of the residual fear of going out. So how do you shake that? Because the danger is still out there. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. Right. You know, I think that's some of it is that some of that, you know, we all have a fear of going out and some of that is actually um, important to hold on to because there is still real and present danger. So, you know, I think the pandemic has essentially taught us all to have a phobia of contact and going out and we're all kind of living in a heightened state of awareness. So some of that is normative. And then there's a danger point when I think it becomes extreme. You know, it's all on a continuum. But just having sort of an organizing principle of this sort of anxiety that we all have, I think, can be helpful. And then there's also phono, which mm-hmm. uh, can you describe what that is? Sure. Uh, the fear of normal. So it's the f- getting back to normal. It's not as easy as it sounds. Yeah. You know, it sounds like, you know, I think now things with the variant are back to being um you know, scary and dangerous outside. But um, but for a while there, I think people were told like, okay, now everything is back to normal. If you're vaccinated, things are good. And that's not as easy it sound, as it sounds. Um, you know, I think it's, it's a little bit different. The fear of going out is different than the fear of the normal. And, you know, so for some people, they've learned and um, adapted to COVID. So for instance, like people who are, um, who who are introverts have sort of adapted to this life virtually. And so then having to go out and see people again, it's not so simple. Fear normal. Yeah. I mean, I had a fear of normal even before the pandemic. Normal is boring. Mm -hmm. Come on. Who wants to be normal? But seriously. All right. So we have 30 seconds. What do you do Mm -hmm. about all these things that come up, which I assume creates anxiety, a lack of presence, et cetera? Mm -hmm. Well, I think first things, you can recognize you're not alone. That's what some of these organizing terms can also help. And then also recognize the danger signs when anxiety is so severe and dangerous. Like you said, these are things that are happening to everybody. But there are points where if you really cannot go out at all or if you have, um, you know, heart palpitations or really severely isolated, those are important to notice that, that those are danger and warning signs to pay attention to. But just understanding that you're not in it alone, that everyone is sort of sharing some of these experiences there wouldn't be terms if we weren't all going through some it to some extent. There you go. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us for all of that. That was Sarah Gundel, a New York City-based psychologist in Manhattan. Have a great night. Thank you. Next up, we jump into the debate going viral today. If you've worked in food service and retail, which is worse? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A question on Twitter was going viral today, so I thought, why not bring it into the show? At Blue Hoodie Baby tweeted, if you have worked in food service and retail, which is worse? And let me tell you, uh, this provoked a lot of reactions. I mean, she got 
Over 18,000 likes, 12,000 retweets, 5.4K responses. And I just feel like looking at the responses off the bat, besides people just adding in things so they can be seen on Twitter, it seems like a lot of people have said food service is worse. Well, that means they were sucky servers. Ooh. All I'm saying is retail is hands down the worst it's worse job than food? that you could ever have. Really? It's the long hours. It's the constant folding. It's like you already do laundry once. Why am I doing it now every single day? And people don't care. It's not like they're going to properly fold it back. No, they're just going to throw it on the table. And then I worked at like, like if you think about hell, lower that and then think about Old Navy. <laughs> because I worked there um, for maybe like two to three weeks tops. Okay. I'm not even going to lie to you. It was around the holidays. I was um, a cashier somewhere else and I was like, oh, I need to go and try to get another job. Well, I took on Old Navy being like, I want to get into fashion. I need some retail experience That's the in place. my life. And... You know, well, if you're from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, of course you're yeah. thinking that's the place. <laughs> well, flip-flop, 99-cent flip-flop days is literally what the apocalypse <laughs> is going to be. When all the four horsemen come and just tell us we're going to die, It's they're going to be carrying 99-cent flip-flops for everyone and their third grandmother to come attack us on. It was like Black Friday, but for flip-flops. It's awful. And so for me, I had more fun doing food service because I was a server. I got to interact with folks. I made hella money because people were like, we love your personality. I mean, my my biggest tip, I told the story here, was $700 off of one drink. Wow. So for me, I made bank when I was a server. There's no money in retails. Your hours are constantly getting cut. And no shade to O'Navy because if you want to sponsor the show, please, this will be a hilarious story for me yeah, to tell. We, but, we use flip-flops. You know, um, I just could never, ever, ever, ever do it again. It's I, awful. You don't get holidays off because you're working really? holidays. Oh, retail. And so I yeah. quit actually right before Thanksgiving because I said, oh, I can't have Thanksgiving off. No, you have to be around for Black Friday. And guess what? I told them they can shove it where the sun doesn't shine. I mean, I have nothing else to say. You said it all. I feel like when you think of food service, like fast food could be worse than retail. Like, you know, I have you Taco seen Bell. any I had of a those? Great time. Have you seen those this day and age? All those Karen videos. It's. I had a great time. Scary out there. But it, you know, back in my day in 1955, right? you know, it was just different back then. They were quiet, quieter Karens. It was just different, you know. <laughs> they just would, you know, they would just cuss you out while they were driving off. <laughs> <laughs> Miss those good old days. Well, anyway, let us know what you think is worse, retail or food at LGT shows where you can find us on social media. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are wrapping up the shows we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. And we want to honor today, uh, in honor of Black LGBTQ plus history, we recognize the birthday of trailblazer Marsha P. Johnson and the day that changemaker Bayard Rustin passed away as well. Of course, in honor of uh, Marsha, there's so many amazing quotes, but this one really stood out. As long as my people don't have their rights across America, there's no reason for celebration. And something to remember as we continue pride and uh, we, we celebrate the LGBTQ community daily, there's also a lot to fight about. And, you know, pride isn't just a party. And Rustin if you don't know, fought for many causes, including racial equality and workers' rights. Later in his life, he also advocated for gay rights. And so we wanted to give a shout out to those two today. 
Yes, Queen. And also a reminder about something fun coming up that we here at Channel Q are bringing you. Yes, because, of course, our Yes Queen has to go out to Lady Gaga as well. And her jazz and piano Las Vegas residency that is returning to the Park MGM this October 14th through the 31st. Channel Q wants to send you, so head over to WeAreChannelQ.com for your chance to win two tickets, a stay at the hotel, round-trip airfare for two, and $500. You're not going to want to miss this. All the details are over at WeAreChannelQ.com. Love that. And that does it for our show today. But we are back tomorrow weekdays here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, among many things, we are covering why exactly Tesla is under investigation and how it may impact the future of self-driving cars. And the volleyball coach who was forced to resign from his high school because he's gay joins us to share his story. That's tomorrow. And again, as a reminder, if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Mm-hmm. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he is bringing you ways to deal with stress. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.